Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Friday, May 20th. We've just completed the observance and celebration of Passover and the seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But did you know that Passover is not really over until we get to Shavuot? There is the counting of the Omer, a 50-day count that takes you up to the next biblical feast, which is Shavuot or Pentecost. The Omer is counted each evening after sundown. This year's Shavuot begins at sunset on Saturday, June 4th, and ends at sunset on Monday, June 6th. We are to stand when counting the Omer, and we begin by reciting the following blessing. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kitshanu Mitzvotav Zivanu Al-Sefirat HaOmer Blessed are you, Adonai our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with your commandments and commanded us to count the Omer. After the blessing, we recite the appropriate day of the count. For example, Hayom Yom Echad LaOmer. Today is the 34th day of the counting of the Omer. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Bread Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Bahar, and it means on the mount. Leviticus 25, 45-51 You may also purchase the children of temporary residents who live among you, including those who have been born in your land. You may treat them as your property, passing them on to your children as a permanent inheritance. You may treat them as slaves, but you must never treat your fellow Israelites this way. Suppose a foreigner or temporary resident becomes rich while living among you. If any of your fellow Israelites fall into poverty and are forced to sell themselves to such a foreigner or to a member of his family, they will still retain the right to be bought back, even after they have been purchased. They may be bought back by a brother, an uncle, or a cousin. In fact, anyone from the extended family may buy them back. They may also redeem themselves if they have prospered. They will negotiate the price of their freedom with the person who bought them. The price will be based on the number of years from the time they were sold until the next year of Jubilee, whatever it would cost to hire a worker for that period of time. If many years still remain until the Jubilee, they will repay the proper proportion of what they received when they sold themselves. Samuel 26 1 to 28 
25. Now some men from Ziph came to Saul at Gibeah to tell him, David is hiding on the hill of Hakalah, which overlooks Jeshimon. So Saul took three thousand of Israel's elite troops and went to hunt him down in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul camped along the road beside the hill of Hakalah, near Jeshimon, where David was hiding. When David learned that Saul had come after him into the wilderness, he sent out spies to verify this report of Saul's arrival. David slipped over to Saul's camp one night to look around. Saul and Abner, son of Ner, the commander of his army, were sleeping inside a ring formed by the slumbering warriors. Who will volunteer to go in there with me? David asked Ahimelech the Hittite, and Abishai, son of Zeruah, Joab's brother. I'll go with you, Abishai replied. So David and Abishai went right into Saul's camp and found him asleep with his his spear stuck in the ground beside his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying asleep around him. God has surely handed your enemy over to you this time, Abishai whispered to David. Let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't need to strike twice. No, David said, don't kill him, for who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? Surely the Lord will strike Saul down some day, or he will die of old age or in battle. The Lord forbid that I should kill the one he has anointed. But take his spear and that jug of water beside his head, and then let's get out of here. So David took the spear and the jug of water that were near Saul's head. Then he and Abishai got away without anyone seeing them, or even waking up, because the Lord had put Saul's men into a deep sleep. David climbed the hill opposite the camp until he was at a safe distance. Then he shouted down to the soldiers and to Abner, son of Ner, Wake up, Abner! Who is it? Abner demanded. Well, Abner, you're a great man, aren't you? David taunted. Where in all Israel is there anyone as mighty? So why haven't you guarded your master the king when someone came to kill him? This isn't good at all. I swear by the Lord that you and your men deserve to die, because you failed to protect your master, the Lord's anointed. Look around. Where are the king's spear and the jug of water that were put beside his head? Saul recognized David's voice and called out, Is that you, my son David? And David replied, Yes, my lord the king. Why are you chasing me? What have I done? What is my crime? But now let my lord the king listen to his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, then let him accept my offering. But if this is simply a human scheme, then may those involved be cursed by the Lord. For they have driven me from my home, so I can no longer live among the Lord's people. And they have said, Go, worship pagan gods. Must I die on foreign soil, far from the presence of the Lord? Why has the king of Israel come out to search for a single flea? Why does he hunt me down like a partridge on the mountains? And then Saul confessed, I have sinned. Come back home, my son, and I will no longer try to harm you, for you valued my life today. I have been a fool and very, very wrong. Here is your spear, O king, David replied. Let one of your young men come over and get it. 
The Lord gives his own reward for doing good and for being loyal, and I refuse to kill you even when the Lord placed you in my power, for you are the Lord's anointed one. Now, may the Lord value my life even as I have valued yours today. May he rescue me from all my troubles. And Saul said to David, Blessings on you, my son David. You will do many heroic deeds, and you will surely succeed. Then David went away, and Saul returned home. But David kept thinking to himself, Someday Saul is going to get me. The best thing I can do is escape to the Philistines. Then Saul will stop hunting me in Israelite territory, and I will finally be safe. So David took his six hundred men and went over and joined Achish, son of Maok, the king of Gath. David and his men and their families settled there with Achish at Gath. David brought his two wives along with him, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, Nabal's widow from Carmel. Word soon reached Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he stopped hunting for him. One day David said to Achish, If it is all right with you, we would rather live in one of the country towns instead of here in the royal city. So Achish gave him the town of Ziglag, which still belongs to the kings of Judah to this day. And they lived there among the Philistines for a year and four months. David and his men spent their time raiding the Gersherites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites, people who had lived near Shur toward the land of Egypt since ancient times. David did not leave one person alive in the villages he attacked. He took the sheep, goats, cattle, donkeys, camels, and clothing before returning home to see King Achish. Where did you make your raid today? Achish would ask, and David would reply, against the south of Judah, the Jeremielites, and the Kenites. No one was left alive to come to Gath and tell where he had really been. This happened again and again while he was living among the Philistines. Achish believed David and thought to himself, By now the people of Israel must hate him bitterly. Now he will have to stay here and serve me forever. About that time the Philistines mustered their armies for another war with Israel. King Achish told David, You and your men will be expected to join me in battle. Very well, David agreed. Now you will see for yourself what we can do. Then Achish told David, I will make you my personal bodyguard for life. Meanwhile, Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him. He was buried in Ramah, his hometown. And Saul had banned from the land of Israel all mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. The Philistines set up their camp at Shunem, and Saul gathered all the army of Israel and camped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the vast Philistine army, he became frantic with fear. He asked the Lord what he should do, but the Lord refused to answer him, either by dreams, or by sacred lots, or by the prophets. Saul then said to his advisers, Find a woman who is a medium, so I can go and ask her what to do. His advisers replied, There is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself by wearing ordinary clothing instead of his royal robes. Then he went to the woman's home at night, accompanied by two of his men. I have to talk to a man who has died, he said. Will you call up his spirit for me? Are you trying to get me killed? the woman demanded. 
You know that Saul has outlawed all the mediums and all who consult the spirits of the dead. Why are you setting a trap for me? But Saul took an oath in the name of the Lord and promised, As surely as the Lord lives, nothing bad will happen to you for doing this. Finally the woman said, Well, whose spirit do you want me to call up? Call up Samuel, Saul replied. When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed, You have deceived me. You are Saul. Don't be afraid, the king told her. What do you see? I see a god coming up out of the earth, she said. What does he look like? Saul asked. He is an old man wrapped in a robe, she replied. Saul realized it was Samuel, and he fell to the ground before him. Why have you disturbed me by calling me back? Samuel asked Saul. Because I am in deep trouble, Saul replied. The Philistines are at war with me, and God has left me and won't reply by prophets or dreams. So I have called for you to tell me what to do. But Samuel replied, Why ask me, since the Lord has left you and has become your enemy? The Lord has done just as he said he would. He has torn the kingdom from you and given it to your rival, David. The Lord has done this to you today because you refuse to carry out his fierce anger against the Amalekites. What's more, the Lord will hand you and the army of Israel over to the Philistines tomorrow, and you and your sons will be here with me. The Lord will bring down the entire army of Israel in defeat. Saul fell full length on the ground, paralyzed with fright because of Samuel's words. He was also faint with hunger, for he had eaten nothing all day and all night. When the woman saw how distraught he was, she said, Sir, I obeyed your command at the risk of my life. Now do what I say, and let me give you a little something to eat so you can regain your strength for the trip back. But Saul refused to eat anything. Then his advisers joined the woman in urging him to eat, so he finally yielded and got up from the ground and sat on the couch. The woman had been fattening a calf, so she hurried out and killed it. She took some flour, kneaded it into dough, and baked unleavened bread. She brought the meal to Saul and his advisers, and they ate it. Then they went out into the night. John 11, 1-54 A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Yeshua telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Yeshua heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Yeshua loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Yeshua replied, There are twelve hours of daylight every day. During the day people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping he will soon get better. They thought Yeshua meant Lazarus, but 
was simply sleeping, but Yeshua meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes I am glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go too and die with Yeshua. When Yeshua arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Yeshua was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Yeshua, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Yeshua told her, Your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, He will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Yeshua told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Yeshua had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so quickly, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Yeshua, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Yeshua saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Yeshua wept. The people who were standing nearby said, See how much he loved him. But some said, This man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Yeshua was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Yeshua told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Yeshua responded, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Yeshua looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Yeshua shouted, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Yeshua told them, Unwrap him and let him go. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Yeshua when they saw this happen, but some went to the Pharisees and told them what Yeshua had done. Then the leading priests and Pharisees called the high council together. What are we going to do? they asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple 
and our nation. Caiaphas, who was a high priest at the time, said, You don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. He did not say this on his own. As high priest at that time, he was led to prophesy that Yeshua would die for the entire nation, and not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. So from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Yeshua's death. As a result, Yeshua stopped his public ministry among the people and left Jerusalem. He went to a place near the wilderness to the village of Ephraim and stayed there with his disciples. Psalm 117, 1 and 2 Praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise him, all you people of the earth, for his unfailing love for us is powerful. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 15:22 and 23 Lands go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. I want to speak to you today from 1 Samuel chapter 26 and then we're going to jump into John chapter 11. And in 1 Samuel chapter 26, we see that Saul's campaign to try to eradicate, erase, and destroy his enemy David continues. Saul is insanely jealous, and he has great anger, and he wants David dead. But yet David, in his response and reaction to Saul, is just quite amazing. He's truly living out the principles that Yeshua sets forth in the Sermon on the Mount, that we are to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us, that um, if someone slaps us on the right cheek, we turn to them the other cheek as well, and that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. This is probably one of the most difficult life lessons we will ever learn is to love our enemy. It goes on in the New Testament in First Peter to say, Do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult, but um, respond in the opposite spirit. In Proverbs it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath. So now let's zoom in on what's going on in First Samuel 26 in this chapter. And again, Saul is out in the field hunting down David. He's asleep. And David now has an opportunity to strike him down and kill him. So his friend Abishai has told him in verse 8, God has surely handed your enemy over to us this time. And Abishai says, let me pin him down to the ground with one thrust of the spear and I won't need to strike twice. And David says, no, don't kill him for who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed. Surely." The Lord will strike Saul down someday, or he will die of old age or in battle. And again, that comment tells us that David absolutely trusts in the Lord orchestrating circumstances in his life. He's not going to put his hands on the driver's wheel. 
He's going to allow the Lord to work through circumstances, that the Lord will deal with Saul in his own way and in his own time. So he's not. he refuses to kill him. He does take the spear and the jug of water that were near Saul's head, and they slip away quietly, and then he climbs to the opposite side of the camp up on a hill, and then he shouts out, um, Wake up, Abner, and then Abner says, Who is it? You're such a great man, Abner, aren't you? Where in all Israel is there anyone as mighty? Why haven't you guarded your master the king when someone came to kill him? And then in verse 17, Saul recognizes David's voice and calls out, Is that you, my son David? Yes, my lord the king, David answers. Why are you chasing me? What have I done? What is my crime? But now let my lord the king listen to his servant. And so he goes on and he explains to him, You know, I had an opportunity to kill you, but I didn't. Why do you hunt me down like a partridge on the mountains? And because David has responded in the opposite spirit, he's been kind, he's been merciful, he has not taken revenge. Um, Saul is brought to a moment of repentance. And in verse 21, Saul says, I have sinned. Come back home, my son, and I will no longer try to harm you, for you valued my life today. I have been a fool and very very wrong. So he goes on to say, Now may the Lord value... David replies back to him, Now may the Lord value my life, even as I have valued yours today. May he rescue me from all of my troubles. And then Saul speaks a blessing over him. And he says to David, Blessings on you, my son David. You will do many heroic deeds and you will surely succeed. So this is just a a wonderful glimpse in the life of David and how he dealt with his enemy Saul who was out to kill him. There are many applications there because we often go through life where there is some kind of an adversity. There is someone who is harassing us, someone who might be persecuting us. It could be an employer, could be um, a spouse. It could be an adult son or daughter, someone close to you who persecutes you. And how do we handle it? We look at the life of David and see how he handled dealing with Saul. He committed Saul into the hands of God. He refused to lift his hand against him to bring him harm. And he let God deal with Saul. He responded in the opposite spirit and was merciful and kind. And that is what we need to do. This is a tough lesson to learn, because sometimes our flesh gets the better of us, and our anger rises up, and we want to repay evil for evil, or insult for insult. When the verbal barbs and jabs start getting hurled our way, we want to often defend ourselves, and we want to return those jabs right back. But that is not God's way. May we learn from the life of David and walk it out. And now I want us to look in John chapter 11. And right after this whole situation where Yeshua speaks 
life back into the dead body of Lazarus, and he reveals himself to the people that he is the resurrection and the life. And Lazarus comes alive out of the tomb. We see some really key words coming from Caiaphas, the high priest, in John chapter 11, verse um, 49. But I'm going to start in verse 47. The leading priests and Pharisees called the high council together. What are we going to do? They asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. If we allow him to go on like this soon, everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. So, as a result of this Lazarus resurrection happening, there's this meeting of the leading priests and the high council. But let's really pay attention to the words of Caiaphas, who was the high priest at that time. This is what he said in verse 49. He says, You don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. He did not say this on his own. As high priest at that time, he was led to prophesy that Yeshua would die for the entire nation, and not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. So that is a direct reference to the northern kingdom. The southern kingdom, Judah, was in Israel under the boot of Rome, under the cruel oppression of Rome. But the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of the north, have been taken away into captivity to Assyria and assimilated, and then were scattered. And so this is referring to Yeshua, that he's going to die not only for that nation, for Judah, that nation, the Jews, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. That is all the non-Jews, everybody else, all those who were part of the northern kingdom and who are grafted in by faith. So he came for the whole world, for the Jew and the non-Jew, for the northern and the southern kingdom. He came to gather and unite all twelve tribes. So he began that mission in his first coming, but did not yet complete it. And he will complete that mission upon his second coming. He will gather and unite all of his scattered lost sheep, scattered to all the nations, upon his return. That's all I have for today. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Yevrekka Adonai Vish Mrekka Yaya Adonai Vikuneka Yisa Adonai Anav Ileka
से The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.